0: Good afternoon, we're here from Partick, Free Church of Scotland, continuing. We are a a local congregation. We minister at Two Thornwood Terrace, that's up Dumbarton Road. You'll come to the police station, and opposite the police station, if you go up that hill there, you will come to Thornwood Primary School first. And then you'll meet our building on the crossroads next door. And we give you a warm welcome. Watch the lead, please. We give you a warm welcome. We meet on the Lord's Day, every Lord's Day Sunday at 11 a.m. And again in the early evening at 6 p.m. And we extend a warm welcome to you. We also have a midweek meeting on Wednesday at 7.30. And again, we would extend a warm welcome to you to attend any of these meetings. You would be indeed most welcome. And we realize that it may well be true of you that you have not been to a Christian place of worship for some time. Maybe you've never been to a Christian place of worship, and maybe you're somewhat apprehensive about coming. Well, we would extend a warm welcome to you, and we would assure you that you are more than welcome to come, and you will be under no obligation in any sense of the word. We would be delighted to see you. We're here from Partick, and we want to bring you something of the, of the good news of the Christian Gospel. And we do so because, well, with a number of reasons, but one of the the reasons that we do this is because many people are ignorant of what Christianity is all about. Well, Christianity would teach us a number of things, friends, but principally it would teach us that we have a real problem. We have a real problem that we cannot address ourselves. Now what is that problem? There are many problems that will be facing society, this nation and other nations, but there's one problem that affects every single one of us, without exception. And the Bible addresses that issue. What is that issue? Well, that issue is Sin. It's a very small word and we might be inclined to dismiss it, but the world as it is today doesn't make sense unless we have a grasp of what our real problem is. Many people would say the problem is a cost of life problem or the the war in the Ukraine, for instance, or maybe the war in the Middle East. Maybe they say that is the the real problem that we face, or maybe an energy crisis. Well, these things are problems, but there is no problem like the greatest problem that affects the whole of mankind. The Bible teaches us clearly not to flatter us, but to inform us. It teaches us, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what Paul says to us in his letter to the Romans. In Romans chapter 20, chapter 3, verse 23, For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now you might say, well, I don't agree with that. let me read what the Bible says. In 1 John, chapter 1, verse 8, you'll find this in your Bibles. Please look it up yourself. Don't take my word for it simply. You will find it in the Bible. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth... Is not in us. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Some time ago, the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament wrote this The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, who can know it? And the problem is, friends, we don't really know ourselves. We don't really know the problem that we face. Because we might say to ourselves, well, (coughs) I'm not a bad individual. I may not be perfect, but I don't really have a problem. Well, the Bible would disagree. And the Bible would tell us, as far as God is concerned, and this is important to realize, we will be judged by God, by His standards, and not by the standards of this world. And as far as God is concerned, He has a controversy with us. And that controversy is that we are sinners. How did this come about, you may well ask, because... We know that Adam and Eve were created by God. And when they were created in the beginning, they were perfect. We know that God created the heaven and the earth. And also we know on the sixth day that he created Adam out of the dust. And then, because Adam needed a helpmate, he created Eve. He created Eve from Adam, and they were our first parents, the first man and the first woman, and they were perfect. The Bible teaches us concerning the creation of man, God created man, male and female, after his own image, with knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, with dominion over the creatures. And therefore, way back in the beginning, our first parents were made in the image of God. They were perfect. And they had a wonderful relationship with their creator, God. And they enjoyed that relationship for a certain period of time until something happened. What happened that changed that relationship? Well, what happened was that... The evil one came and tempted Eve. God had given to Adam a very clear and concise command. They were in the garden of Eden, and in that garden they could eat of the fruit of any tree they wished apart from one. They were not to eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God gave them a simple test, to see whether they would obey him, to see whether they truly loved him or not. Well, they were given that clear and simple commandment, not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil, and the evil one came and tempted Eve, and said, why don't you take it? If you take this fruit, you will be like God, and she did. She took the forbidden fruit, she ate it, and she gave some to her husband. And ever since that point in the history of mankind, sin has entered into human existence. And since we've all come from Adam and Eve, we are fallen. We have a fallen nature. We have a sinful nature. We have inherited from our parents, and our parents have inherited it from their parents and all the way down the line to Adam and Eve and therefore when we come into this world even at conception we are sinful because we have a sinful nature and therefore when we come out of the womb that sinful nature evidences itself in sinful behaviour, in sinful thoughts, in sinful words and in sinful deeds. That is our great problem. We are estranged and we are separated from God, from our Creator God. Now it might not be a problem to you at this time, you might think nothing of it, but it is a great problem to God in the sense that He does not have the relationship with His creatures that He should have. And there's a barrier between God and man. God is infinitely holy, just, upright, pure. And mankind, because we're sinners, we're not. That's why Paul said, For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have missed the mark. All of us do not have the relationship with God that we should have, because sin is a barrier. God cannot have a relationship with us because of our sin. And therefore, it is a major problem. And we would argue as Christians that every problem that we face in this world can ultimately be traced back to this great problem. There would be no wars in the Middle East, or in the Ukraine if there was no sin. There would be no death. There would be no suffering. There would be no tears. There would be no courts. There would be no prisons. There would be no hospitals if there was no sin. There would be no marriage breakups. There would be no violence in our streets. There would be no stealing, or lying, or cheating, or hypocrisy, or adultery, or fornication if there was no sin. And all our problems stem from this fact that mankind is estranged and separated from God because of our sin. Well, having established these facts, friends, we're now in a position to tell you what God has done. What God has done to address our greatest need. God could have destroyed the world. He could have wiped out mankind completely. He would have been justified, but He didn't do that. Instead, what did He do? Well, we find it in the Bible. For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And there, friends, we have God's answer to what is mankind's greatest problem. He sent His Son. Now, if you're listening at all, you surely must be asking the question, well, what can Jesus Christ do? What can the Son of God do to address mankind's greatest problem? Well, first of all, we are to realize that He is the Son of God. Therefore, when He came to this world, He is God in the flesh. He is the God-Man. He is the ultimate and the perfect redeemer and mediator between a holy God and sinful mankind. Because he is fully God and he is fully man. And as man, he came into this world. He lived a perfect life. Yes, think of that for a moment. Think of that as you're shopping for a moment. There's one who came to this world and he lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He never sinned in thought. He never sinned in word. He never spoke a wrong word. He never sinned in deeds. All his deeds were good and holy, just and upright. Jesus Christ is the one who has lived a perfect life. A life that you and I cannot live. Why can we not live this perfect life? Well, we cannot live it because of our sinful nature. We act according to our nature, and our nature is sinful. Therefore, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, He came down to this world, He lived a perfect life, and therefore, at the end of His life, He was able to offer up Himself as a once-for-all Perfect sacrifice. Now, why did He offer up Himself as a sacrifice? Well, He offered up Himself as a sacrifice because God's law, God's law demands that sin be punished. And God punished Christ on the cross instead of mankind. That's what He did. He laid upon Christ there on Calvary Street. He laid upon him the iniquity and the sins of his people. Christ therefore became our substitute. He lived a perfect life. He was able therefore to offer up a perfect sacrifice that would satisfy divine justice. You see, God cannot simply overlook sin. He cannot do that. Sin is offensive to him. He must deal with it. And that's what he did on Calvary Street. He punished our substitute. He punished his son. Now, what must you do? What is required of you? It's all very well to speak of Jesus Christ. It's all very well to tell you, about him, but there is a response that is required. What is that response? You are to believe upon him, you are to receive him, you are to trust upon him, you are to call upon him, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the good news. Of the Christian gospel. This is the good news of the Bible. This is the good news that has come down from heaven. This is God's good news for the people of Glasgow on Buchanan Street on the first day of December 2023. Here, friends, is God's good news to you this afternoon that if you will come to the Lord Jesus Christ you will have your sins forgiven you shall be reconciled to God you shall know the gift of eternal life you shall have your sins forgiven and you shall be reconciled to God what does the Bible say therefore being justified by faith We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, would you not like to have peace with God? Would you not like to have a peaceful conscience? Would you not like to know that the moment that you pass into eternity you will go to be with Christ? Would you not like to know that, that your eternal destiny is secure? Well, you can know it in the Christian gospel. You can know it in believing upon Jesus Christ the Lord. You can know this today. This is not a secret. This is not something to be hidden. This is something to be proclaimed from the very rooftops. That people might know that there's a Savior. And that there is a Savior who is willing to save to the absolute uttermost all who will come to God through him. This is why we seek to come out, friends, on a cold afternoon like this. You know, Jesus said to to the church in Asia Minor, called Laodicea, which is in modern-day Turkey, he said to this church, that was a lukewarm church, that was far from perfect. And he said to this church, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. What's he talking about? Well, he's talking to this church, and this church thought they had everything. They were rich they had much goods plenty of activity but they didn't have the lord jesus christ christ was outside of their church and maybe that describes you this afternoon you might have everything that this world can give you you might have health you might have wealth you might have possessions you might have a good job you might have a lovely home you might have a a wonderful family life you might have everything that this world can give to you but you lack one good thing what is it you lack the lord jesus christ and you lack the peace that he can bring to your soul and why do you not have peace you don't have peace because sin is a barrier and you don't have peace with god because of your sin but jesus christ can deal with this problem he has come to this world to deal with sin and he's dealt with it that's why he was able to cry out when he was on the cross on Calvary's tree. he cried out it is finished it's finished what's finished he has done all that's required done all that God had given him to do in order to bring about the salvation of his people and that's why we're able to come out this afternoon and to proclaim to you a person we're not talking to you about commandments we're not bringing to your attention rules we're telling you about a person a person who can save you a person who is willing to save you a person who has demonstrated his love towards sinners by going to the cross and dine in their room and in their place. Surely He has revealed unto us, unto mankind, His great love. Who would do something like this? Who would come from heaven? Who would leave the realms of glory and come to this barren, sin-cursed world? None but the Son of God. None but the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is something that makes Christianity unique. Our Savior is the one who has come down from heaven. No one else has ever come down to heaven, but he's come down on a rescue mission. And that mission was successful. And now because it is successful, we're able to come out in the streets and tell everyone, Men, women, boys, girls. It doesn't matter your, your education. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter your sex. It doesn't matter up, at all. It's a gospel that's for everyone. Because Jesus Christ is the only Savior. The only one who can save you from your sins. And we're delighted this afternoon to be able to come out and to tell you something about the Saviour. In the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah, he spoke of the coming Messiah. He spoke of the coming Christ, the Anointed One, in his prophecies. And he prophesied some 600 years before Jesus Christ came. And one of his prophecies he says, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. Now he's not talking about himself. He is not telling you to look to him, to the prophet Isaiah. No, he is telling you to look to the Savior who was to come. The one whom God promised the way back at the very beginning, when our first parents fell. God promised a saviour and all throughout the Old Testament God was giving glimpses of the saviour that would come and this is who Isaiah is referring to when he says look unto me we're to look unto the Lord Jesus Christ we're to take our eyes off ourselves don't think for one moment that you'll be saved because you've done good deeds don't think You'll be saved because you become religious. Don't think you'll be saved because you do charitable works. Don't think you'll be saved because you're a good, moral, upright person. You need something more. What do you need? You need Christ. You need His divine righteousness imputed unto you. That's what you need. How can I get that then, minister? How can I be saved? The only way that you can be saved is to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is to do what the prophet says, Look unto me and be ye saved. Look unto Jesus Christ and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth. All the ends of the earth. Why all the ends of the earth? All the ends of the earth because everyone is a sinner. It doesn't matter what part of the world we come from. It does not matter. We're all sinners. That's why he says, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. You see, the Son of God is God in the flesh. And it takes God in the flesh to deal with our greatest problem, that of our sin. And friends, we say hallelujah this afternoon. He has dealt with it. Therefore, will you not come to him? Will you not embrace him? Will you not seek him? Will you not run unto him? Will you not be found in him on that great day? This, friends, is the day of grace. This is the day when God's favour is extended to us. This is a day when the gospel is being proclaimed. It's a day of God's favour. But we have to accept it on his terms. And his terms are quite clear. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent. Turn unto Jesus Christ. Call upon him. Take up the cross and follow him. Be identified with him. Recognize who he is. He is the Son of God. Hello, sir. Jesus Christ is the answer to our greatest need. He can deal with our sin. No matter what sins we have committed, we are urged to come unto him. Paul says, this is a trustworthy saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And do you know what he says afterwards? Of whom I am the chief. He's the chief of sinners. We're going to take a short break and another brother is going to come along and speak to us. But may God bless his word to you this afternoon.
1: This afternoon with the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me begin by reading for us from 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 and 4. The word of God says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures well dear friends this is the gospel in summary form and this afternoon this beautiful day we come to you with this good news this is true this is truly good news that we bring to you today the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I just read today from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 is the gospel in summary form. What is the gospel? Well, the word gospel means good news. Good news. The gospel indeed is the good news and what is it about? It's about the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as I seek to exposit those verses for us today, I will seek to answer three questions with God's help. Who is Jesus Christ? Secondly, what He has done? And thirdly, how do you appropriate and receive the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ? Who is Christ, what He has done, and how does His salvation benefit you? Well, dear friends, We live in a pluralistic society. We might hear people say, you have your religion, I have my religion. But, dear friends, truth is absolute. Two plus two is four. It cannot be six. It cannot be eight. It cannot be hundred. There's only one right answer. Two plus two equals four. And truth is absolute, not relative. And dear friends, the Lord Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. Well dear friends, who is this Jesus? If I were to interview you on the street, and I might ask you that question, who is Jesus Christ? You might give me different answers. You might say that Jesus Christ was a prophet, or that Jesus Christ was a religious leader, Or that Jesus Christ was a great teacher? But dear friends, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is God, the second person of the Trinity, the only begotten Son of the Father. And dear friends, the Lord Jesus Christ is the only Savior of sinners. You cannot be indifferent with regard to your view of Christ or your position toward Christ. You cannot say, well, I respect Jesus, but I'm not willing to worship Him. Or I respect Jesus, but I'm happy to follow my own religion. You cannot do that. Because again, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. And dear friends, this is why there is an urgency. There is an urgency to the gospel. We are here because we care about you. We don't want you to perish in hell. And therefore, we bring you some great news of great comfort and great joy. The salvation of God for mankind is in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as the Apostle Paul says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, What I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. I hear an echo. I think I hear an echo. How that Christ died for our sins. Well, first of all, who is Jesus Christ? As I said earlier, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is God. Listen to a few verses from the Gospel according to John chapter 1, John 1 and verse 1 says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. Well, you see here, dear friends, that the Bible says that Jesus Christ is God, not a creature, but God Himself. And all things were made by Christ. If all things were made by Jesus, then He Himself could not be part of the creation. Jesus Christ is not a creature, but the Lord Jesus Christ is God, blessed forever. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then we read in verse 18, No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared Him. No man hath seen God at any time, but there is the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, from all eternity. And He and He alone declare the Father to us. That's why Jesus said, no man cometh unto the Father but by Me. There's only one way for guilty sinners like you and me to be brought to God. There's only one way for us to be reconciled to the Father. And that way is Jesus Christ He's not one among many ways. He's not one among many saviors. But Jesus Christ is the only saviour, the only saviour that this world will ever know. There is no other saviour, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Only Jesus Christ can save us from our sins because only Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God who with the Father and the Spirit is one God blessed forever Well dear friends, the Bible says that there is only one God Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord There is only one true and living God, the maker of heaven and earth and the very first verse of the Bible says In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. There's only one true and living God. And that one God is triune. Triune, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. There's only one God who eternally exists in three persons. And Jesus Christ is the second person of the Trinity, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made. Jesus Christ is not made. He's not a creature, but He made all things. And He with the Father and the Spirit made the heavens and the earth. And so who is Jesus Christ, dear friends? Jesus Christ is God, the Son, the only begotten Son of God. And then John says in John 1 and verse 14 that this glorious Christ, this eternal Christ, this eternal Son of the Father came into our world. John writes, and the Word was made flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth dear friends jesus christ is full of grace and truth and this gracious savior this savior who is full of compassion and plenteous in mercy this savior came into the world, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth." Well, why did Jesus come? Why did the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal and only begotten Son of God, come into this world? Well, the Apostle Paul gives us the answer. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says, listen, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Oh dear friends, this indeed is the good news of the Gospel that you must hear this beautiful afternoon. You must know this Savior or you will perish. The Savior Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, sinners like you and sinners like me. And there is salvation in none other, for there is none other name given among men under heaven, whereby we must be saved. So to answer our question, the first question, who is Jesus Christ? The Lord Jesus Christ is the only Redeemer of God's elect. Who, being the eternal Son of God, became man and so was, and continueth to be, God and man in two distinct natures, and one person forever. Jesus Christ is the God-man. Two natures united in one person. And 2,000 years ago, he came into the world and he was born of the Virgin Mary in the town of Bethlehem. And he lived a perfect life of obedience to the law of God. And he went to the cross and died for our sins and was buried and rose again on the third day. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God-man, the only savior of sinners, the only redeemer, of God's elect. So secondly then, what has he done? What did Jesus do for us and for our salvation? How did this glorious Christ, God in the flesh, save sinners like us? Well the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 where he says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Well, dear friends, before you can hear the good news, you need to hear the bad news, that you and I are sinners. There is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That is our problem, dear friends. We have broken the law of God. We have sinned against Him. We've done what is evil in His sight. In fact, we were conceived in sin. We were born as sinners. And we have added to our sin nature, actual transgressions. We have sinned against the Lord. But dear friends, the good news of the Gospel is that Jesus Christ came to save sinners like us. You must confess and acknowledge that you have sinned against God, that you have broken His law. God is holy and we are not. In fact, Jesus said, You have heard it was said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, Whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust for her has committed adultery already with her in his heart. You see, dear friends, God sees truth God demands truth in the inward parts. He sees what we do outwardly, as well as what is in our hearts. And all of us have broken the law of God. All of us deserve the wrath and judgment of God. This is why we die. Do you realize, dear friends, we are part of the ultimate statistic. Ten out of ten people die. And the reason we die is because we are sinners. But, dear friends, there is good news. There is a Redeemer, Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son. And He came into the world to save sinners like us. How did He do that? How did He save sinners like us? Well, the Apostle Paul says that He died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Well, dear friends, I'm sure you've heard about the cross of Jesus Christ. You've heard about Jesus dying on the cross. But do you understand the significance of that? Do you understand why is the cross of Jesus Christ so important? Well, because when Jesus died on the cross, He didn't die for His own sins. He had none. Jesus Christ is the sinless, perfect, spotless Lamb of God. When He died on the cross, He died as our substitute. He took our punishment upon Himself. We broke the law of God and Jesus paid the penalty. Jesus died and shed His blood so that we sinners might be forgiven and reconciled to God. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him, believeth in Him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well dear friends, as Jesus died on the cross, He died as our sin-bearer, he died as our substitute. He bore the wrath of God in our place and fully satisfied divine justice so that God can be just and the justifier of all those who put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, dear friends, the good news of the gospel is that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried. Why was Jesus buried? Jesus Christ was buried. His burial shows that he really and truly died. Jesus Christ didn't faint on the cross, but he really died on the cross and his body was laid in the tomb. He was buried, but dear friends, hear the good news of the resurrection on the third day he rose again from the dead you see Jesus Christ is not a dead savior he is not a a guru who has returned to the dust no dear friends Jesus Christ is the risen savior Jesus Christ declared I am the resurrection and the life listen to that dear friends All world leaders and religious gurus have died or will die. Muhammad is dead. Joseph Smith is dead. But Jesus Christ is risen. Jesus Christ rose again on the third day. And therefore, Jesus Christ alone is able to save sinners like us because He is the risen Savior. Death could not hold Him. He rose again in triumphant glory on the third day. This is what makes Christianity unique. This is what separates Christianity from all world religions that are false religions, because there is only one God, the God of the Bible, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons in one essence, and Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, came into the world to save sinners, and He died and rose again on the third day. Dear friends, here is the gospel, the good news for you. And so the last and final question is, how are you to receive that salvation? How can you benefit from that good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, dear friends, the answer is in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Did you hear that, friends? You must believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You must put your faith in christ alone for your salvation it doesn't matter what the color of your skin is it doesn't matter what your background is or what language you speak if you look to christ if you turn to the lord jesus christ you will be saved you will receive forgiveness of all your sins this is the promise not of a minister This is the promise from God's Word. And God never lies. It is impossible for God to lie. The Bible is the very Word of God. And the Bible declares, Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Well, dear friends, turn from your wicked ways and look to the Savior, the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, and rest in Him alone for your salvation, and you will be saved. God will forgive your sins and grant you everlasting life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, did you hear that, friends? Whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Repent and believe in the gospel. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Well, dear friends, we are here to talk to you, to answer any further questions that you might have about the gospel, about the Bible. We would love for you to have a copy of the scriptures as well. And we are here to help you because we care about you. And we don't want you to perish. There's only one way of salvation, not two, not three, not a thousand, only one way of salvation. And it is in the Lord Jesus Christ who declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Look to the Savior, the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, And let me close with reading a verse from John chapter 3, the last verse, verse 36, where the Bible says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Please, dear friends, I plead with you, please repent and believe upon the Son of God the Lord Jesus Christ that's the only way for the wrath of God to be removed and for you to come into communion and fellowship and reconciliation with God is through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried And on the third day He rose again from the dead according to the Scriptures. Look to Christ, repent, and believe the Gospel. May God bless His Word, and may you respond with humility, because remember, friends, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Look to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Good afternoon.
0: We're glad to be here again from Partick Free Church of Scotland. Continuing, we are a, a local congregation. We minister in the Partick area of Glasgow. We, <coughs> we meet at Two Thornwood Terrace. That's Upton Barton Road. And when you come to the police station, you. Uh, We'll see a hill opposite the police station. Go up the hill, and you'll come to Thornwood Primary School. And we're on the crossroads next door to Thornwood Primary School. We meet every Lord's Day at Sunday at 11 a.m and again at 6 p.m. and we extend a, a warm and sincere welcome to you that you might come along and hear something more about the Christian gospel. We are kind of limited in what we can do in the open air but it's good to be here and we take this opportunity. There's so many people here passing back and forth, different households, different backgrounds, all with different problems needs but you know the gospel addresses all of us. The gospel leaves none of us out. We uh, live in a society that likes to divide people up to various different uh, sections but the gospel addresses the whole of mankind. Now you may well wonder why does the gospel address every one of us? Well it addresses every one of us because we all have a common fault, a common failing, a common problem. Call it what do you like. We all share something in common. Now, what is that? Well, principally, we share the fact that we're all sinners. Every single one of us. The Bible is clear on this matter. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. We've all like sheep, we've all gone astray. These are the things that you'll find written in your Bibles. And they tell us about the great flight that we have and the great problem. And it also tells us how we cannot deal with with this problem ourselves. When we become anxious about eternity, When we become anxious about meeting God one day, we are fearful and we seek to try to appease God by our own ways and our own methods. And very often when we are anxious about meeting God, we turn to good works or we turn to religion or we turn to seek to find our own way to be reconciled to God because we know deep down in our hearts that we have sinned and we're sinners and we're going to face a holy God. Well, friends, all of our self-efforts will never satisfy God, never. But there is one way that will satisfy God. What is that way? Well, it's the way that God himself has provided. What is that way? That way is the way of the Savior. The Savior said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. That's a very clear, concise, and dogmatic statement that may not be very politically correct today in the society that we live in with so many different religions all around us. But the Lord Jesus Christ, the great head of Christianity, the founder of it, the great head of the church, he says without fear or favor, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And we would say, friends, that many within the Christian church have abandoned this and they are embracing other gods and other ways of salvation. But, friends, the apostolic church that turned the world upside down, it was this message of Jesus and the resurrection. For salvation is found in none other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved there's no other way to be saved there is only one god and there is one mediator between god and men the man christ jesus remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth when the evil days come not nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say I have no pleasure in them. We give that word to the youngsters and there are many youngsters on the street on Buchanan Street this afternoon and youth is a time of folly it's a time of laughter but friends youth quickly disappears and before you know where you are you're into middle age and then you're into old age and then you're into eternity. And that's why Solomon would tell us, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. In other words, seek the Lord while you're young. Seek the Lord while you have your faculties, while you have energy, while you have enthusiasm, while you have drive. Devote the best part of your life to serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't think, for instance, that when you come to old age, that you can give the remnants of your life to the Lord. He says to us in his word, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. And you may well ask, if you're listening, What indeed are the evil days? Friends, the evil days that Solomon's talking about are the days of old age. Now we are not ageist in any sense. We're not against the elderly. In fact, some of us here are actually elderly. But we recognize that when when the older days come, we don't have the same energy. We don't have the same command of our faculties that we once had. And it takes more energy even to do the everyday, ordinary things of life. And I tell you, friends, when you become a Christian, it will take all your energy to fight the good fight of faith. To be a true-hearted, genuine Christian, will take your time, it will take your energy, it will take your enthusiasm, it will take your faculties, it will take everything for you to be a good Christian. And therefore that's why Solomon, King Solomon, who was the wisest man that ever lived in the earth, apart from Christ himself, it was him who gave this exhortation, remember now, thy Creator, in the days of thy youth. Give the very prime of your life to serving Jesus Christ. Call upon him while he is near this afternoon. Let the young in heart, no matter how old you might be, let them embrace Christ. Let them come and call upon him. Let them serve him. What a glorious master it is to have christ as your lord and savior to be in his glorious everlasting kingdom did you know that the lord jesus christ is a king he is king of kings and lord of lords he has a kingdom and he's calling citizens into his kingdom he says repent for the kingdom of God is at hand and you are to repent and call upon Christ that you might be found in his glorious kingdom and what a ruler to have to rule over you. Do you know that the Bible would teach us that by nature we have a ruler. He's not a very pleasant ruler. He's the evil one. By nature, we are all citizens of His kingdom. We're part of the kingdom of darkness. Why? Because we're all sinners. We're all sinners by nature. We're all sinners from the moment of conception. And when we come out of the womb, we are sinners. And that sinful nature will reveal itself it will manifest itself in a very short period of time. That's why children misbehave. If you're a parent or if you're a grandparent, you can see your children and your grandchildren misbehave. Let me ask you sincerely, as a parent and as a grandparent, did you teach your children to be bad? Did you teach your Grandchildren to misbehave? No, of course you didn't teach them. Then where did they learn it? It came from their own sinful nature. That's where it came from. You didn't teach them. You didn't need to. It's in their nature. That's our problem. This is the problem that the Gospels, because, friends, when we become Christians, what happens? We experience the new birth. You cannot believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ unless you are born again. You know, I can tell you about Jesus for hours and hours and hours, but you cannot believe upon him until the Holy Spirit gives you that gift of new life. And this is one of the first evidences of the new birth. What is that evidence? The evidence is that you believe upon Jesus Christ Christ the Lord and friends when you are a Christian then you know that new life then you believe upon the Lord Jesus then you will recognize that you're a sinner then you will delight in what Christ has done then you'll prize him then you'll think much of him even at this moment in time as Christ has been proclaimed to you, you don't think anything of him. You pass by. You're more concerned about your Christmas shopping